Hello and welcome to this episode of I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, where today I'm excited to share with you uh, an interview I did with Motherhood Simplified, better known as Krista Lockwood. Uh, she's an amazing mom, has an amazing community, and her community of moms wanted a dad's perspective. So she brought me on her show, and I hope you like it. Here it is. So the big question is this. How are parents like us, who don't have a manual, who are doing the best we can, who feel as though we aren't enough, how are we going to raise healthy, happy children who we are proud of and still keep our sanity in that process? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ryan Roy, and welcome to I Don't Know Jack About Parenting, a podcast for parents who are being real with themselves. Okay, I'm scared. Okay, you should be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just a little bit. So we are talking with Ryan Roy today. Uh, Ryan, I met him a few years ago when I was when we did Periscope. I don't do Periscope much anymore. I don't know if Ryan does, but uh, we were both expecting babies around the same time. Well, he wasn't. Obviously, his wife was. Um, but I was expecting I, him too. <laughs> yes, he was also <laughs> expecting the baby, um, but. He's a great dad. Um, he's a great husband. He's got a really great business. And it's always nice to get to talk with him because we get a peek inside of the other side of, you know, motherhood, basically, right? We get to see into fatherhood, which we're always curious about. We're always trying, you know, we all have lots of questions all the time, like, what is going on with my husband? What is going on with him? <laughs> but we don't have them in our space. So I have a lot of questions for you. They're kind of all over the place, but they all tie in together. I'm super excited. I did not even have this on the list of things to talk to you, but I want to talk to you about it now since it came up. But when you guys were pregnant, why did you keep it off of social media? Well, for us, well, first of all, just thank you for getting me on the podcast. Thank you for allowing me into the space, even though from a distance. Uh, I also like to get into the mindset and hear what the moms are thinking about. So it's, it's just a joy to hear the questions that the moms have so that I could better serve my community also. Uh, for those who don't know, I am a life coach. Uh, uh, my company is Just a Fire, Just Do It Coaching. And I have written the book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, which became an Amazon bestseller last year. And my current project that I'm working on, which I've, the test was my son's school. So I have a program called FBI Dads, Fathers Being Involved at my son's elementary school. It started off with a breakfast with six dads attending. And now we average this year thus far with four breakfasts, 150 dads per breakfast. Uh, it's a way for them to interact with their kids have a donut and uh, just be involved in the school. So, um, so that's what I'm working on now. I so love let me get to your question. Why did we decide to keep it off social media? So number one, because of my business and because I've been on Periscope and Facebook live and have communities on Facebook and I am on social media, my wife is not one who uh, is on social media much. I mean, she's on Facebook. I I think the other day she friended me on Instagram, which was funny. Um, uh, but she's not one who is really comfortable putting our stuff out there. I do it for my business, but our private life is our private life. And, and you may see, I just saw something pop up on my Facebook that I put a video of 
our two-year-old last year this time, and I just laughed because I don't think I've put up anything since. Um, yeah. Just the reason, uh, safety reasons, um, you know, uh, it's, it's just a personal choice for the family. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, I think we're very grounded in what we want to accomplish as parents. And I think social media uh, has a lot of people who have opinions, and I don't really take opinions. Uh, I like to work with facts, and I want to work with facts from people that I see have a end product that's successful. So if I'm going to listen to a parent, it's going to be one that I see their end product <laughs> was an end product that I would like to see. Um, and I don't know that I get would get a whole lot of that from social media. That to be is transparent. Yeah, that's really that's really good insight, and um, you articulated it very well. Because I've been trying to, you know, explain to people like why I did it. I have, I know why I did it, right? Like I know I chose to do it. I can't really articulate it, but that's a really big part of it. It's like I am so secure and confident in my decisions that I don't feel. And if you guys don't know Ryan, uh, his tagline is "Justify or just do it." I don't feel the need to justify it, right? Yeah. I just do it, and that's his tagline: "Justify or just do it." And I felt like putting my stuff on social media opened me up to having conversations with strangers on the internet who have their own perspectives, their own values, their own practices. And it made me have to justify my decisions to people that didn't matter at all <laughs> to like my end result. Absolutely. And, and because of, I mean, I've known you for a couple of years now, you have a lot of clarity around how you want to raise your kids how you want to run your household and you know social media opens us up to a lot of people you know creating doubt if you would not that you would have doubt but why even invite something like that into your space yeah yeah it does it does bring doubt, right and then you feel like you have to just it. it it just doesn't feel good <laughs> that was one of the yeah that was and if you're carrying a baby right so let's just talk about that for a second as moms out there who may have other potential uh, children, right? And when you're carrying a baby, the only thing they feel truly is your heartbeat and your emotions. That's how they learn to low, learn to grow in love inside of you. And if your emotional state is uncertainty, that's how they're going to, that's their first feelings as a human being inside your belly. Do you want them to have certainty or do you want them to have uncertainty? And yeah. the more the more strength mom has and confidence in what she's doing. And that's why I think it's great. You have such a, a fantastic community and it's growing. You have moms who are looking to gain certainty and clarity. Yeah. And because you have that for yourself, you could actually teach that to them or at least lead by example at the yes. very least. I do my best, do my best. That's why I tell you guys declutter your houses so that you can get clarity, declutter your social media so you can get clarity all of the things that make you feel good. And yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, if you guys have questions for him on Facebook, let me know. I saw Janelle pop on. Janelle has a pretty important question. I know we'll see if she asks it. <laughs> um, okay. So one of the other things that we had talked about is I listened to one of your podcast episodes and you were talking about your business as a life coach. And this is something that I talk about as well. I would love to hear kind of your take on it, on creating like systems and routines and habits inside of the home. And you said something that really stuck out to me. 
Hmm. Was that you should make your life so predictable and so boring that you can be you can be spontaneous and you can spruce up those parts of your life that you don't want to be boring. So can you explain that to us a little bit more and what you mean by that? Yeah. So uh, boring is good is a phrase that was coined by one of my first clients. Um, I remember we get on a coaching call. My coaching calls are very simple, right? We try to keep life simple. And, and I have clients that I've had for just a couple months and I have some that I've had for numerous years. He happens to still be with me and he's been with me seven years and he coined boring is good because I would say, Hey, what is your, what was your, what were your successes this week? You know, how was your week? And he said, my week was boring. Once he got on track, once he created systems in his life, knew exactly what he wanted to do each and every single day, his life, the drama started coming out. He knew he had self commitments in his goals. So when someone said, Hey, let's go out to lunch on a whim, he could just look at his, his day and say, listen, today's probably not a good day, but maybe next month when I don't have something booked, right? We, we create space for ourselves, clarity for ourselves, And then what happened? His relationship started getting better. His finances started getting better. His career, he started crushing it. Right. And then when he looked at it, his day was so predictable. That he's like, my life is boring. <laughs> or drama list. So if there's no drama in our life and our life is kind of boring, the things we truly want to do, we have space for and we create space for. Just like you said, you took social media, you chose not to share on social media that you were pregnant because you didn't want that drama, right? So at home, because you don't have a lot of drama, and I know you have a lot of kids, so it's not like it's boring. I've got drama. <laughs> yeah, we all I mean we all do at some level, right? I'm it's all kid drama. I'm the president of the PTA at my son's school. That's drama. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I was able to bring that into my life because I didn't have drama in other areas. And I'm able to deal with it simply because I don't allow a lot of that in. And I think the people on the board and the community as a whole, I just shut it down by just silencing it. I don't silence them. I silence myself. And without a response to them, guess what happens? There's no more dialogue. I love it when people say, oh, you know, I argue. My wife argues with me all the time. I said, do you talk back? Yeah. I said, well, you're arguing with her. <laughs> Lady, if you guys are arguing, it takes two to argue. If one of you shuts down, right, and just gets quiet and calm, the strongest energy always wins. <laughs> so what happens? If you, he can come down to your level if he's the one starting the argument, you know, you just say, hey, let's discuss this later. If he doesn't want to calm down, if you stay calm, eventually he'll calm down. Chances are he'll apologize for getting loud because he feels bad because you didn't come up and meet his energy. So the strongest <laughs> energy always wins. Sorry, coaching coming out of me. No, you said that on the last, on the podcast episode that oh, no. together last time and I loved it. And I think, I think people get it confused because they think strongest energy always wins means that you have to be the loudest. Aggressive. Tense. Yeah. It's not that it's, usually the opposite. It's the quiet ones that forces the other person to be like, wait, like, <laughs> you're going to make me have to like examine what I'm saying and doing. And then they have to step up into that, which is really good. So, um, that is, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Well, <laughs> I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> this leads into the question that the moms always have for dads, right. And their, and their spouses is like, 
how do I get him to see my side of this? Like, I want to, I want to get rid of all of this extra stuff in my house. I want to, you know, I want him to get rid of his shirts that have holes in it. And he doesn't want to, like, how do we get the other side to see our point and maybe get on board? Wow. I don't re- I think you asked me this last time, but I don't I know think I did too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but because there's probably some new people in the audience and some things look, and, and I probably answered it this way as it's kind of coming back to me. We can't get anybody to do anything that they don't want to do, right? You, for whatever reason, they found you. They hit a breaking point. There are two things that motivate everybody, and this is very simple. This is just very simple, basic psychology. Do you know what those two things are? Two things that motivate people to do anything. Um, loss, avoidance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I like it. Pain and pleasure. Oh, there you go. That's way very simple. The two P's pain and pleasure. So if there was enough pain, you, uh, for the women in your group, I imagine, and, and probably ask them to put a one in the box or whatever, you know, if this is true for them, there was enough pain in their life that they sought somebody who had a lifestyle that they desired that they're like, you know what, I need to seek that help. I'm going to buy into her group. I'm going to listen to her Instagram. I'm going to get on her uh, podcast. That person over there has something that I want. I need to figure out how to do it because there's enough pain. Or the opposite end of that is, hey, I see the freedoms that she has. Looks like she's having fun with her children. And I find myself yelling at my children, right? Or whatever that looks like. I want more of that pleasure or that good feeling in my life. It could be a combination of the two, or it could be one or the other. So to answer your question, how do we get these men to do the same thing? And this is how I answered it before it's coming back to me is, is what what you need to do is just show up at a level and the strongest energy is going to win. If you're always tidy and you're always doing these things and the house is always a certain way, and then you go into his garage and he's going to look at it and he's going to be like, man, she does hopefully and she does such a good job of tidying this house and keeping it clean. And I love that space that when I go into my garage, I feel bad. There's enough pain that, you know what? I like how our house is. I like how it is now. And he may not be contributing, but the strongest energy, and it's not going to be easy, right? It can take, you know, six months, a year, year and a half before he really caves. And I'm going to tell you why. Psychologically, he's going to think, She's not going to keep up with this forever, so I don't have to do anything. And most people will wait it out as long as they can. Why? Because they don't want to have to change. Change is the most difficult thing for us to do as human beings. So you're making massive changes, and you're feeling good about it, and all of a sudden you want your spouse to just jump on board. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. But if your energy stays the same, he's going to realize something. Wow, I'm a slob, and my wife's really neat. And she's not changing, obviously. This is a lifestyle for her. If I want to keep her around, and I like her, and I love her, I better step up my game. So you have to be consistent in order for him to come along. And I'll give you an example of that. I have a a client that ended up losing 100 pounds. His wife weighed more than he did once he lost this 100 pounds. They were both overweight. And I said, be patient. Stay the course. This isn't going to be easy for her. But I guarantee you, if you keep up with the lifestyle, she's not going to want to lose you because she loves you. And if she can't beat you, she's going to have to join you. 
Yeah. About a year after he lost his weight and kept it off, she joined him. Now she's down 100 pounds. And now they're a healthy, thriving, loving couple because they're doing it together. But he didn't ask her to do it. He didn't force her to do it. He always loved her, always loved on her. And the day that she said, can you help me in this journey? He said, yes. The day that your husband says, how do I do this? How do I get my garage portion clean? How do I clean this out, stuff out? You got to say, you can't say, it's about time. You got to <laughs> say, hey, I'd love to help you. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's so good. And you really do just have to do your, you have to do your own thing. Right. And you have to do you. Yeah. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah. And not in like a, you know, a vindictive way or like, well, if you're not going to do it with me, I'm going to go do it anyway. But an example of this that I just realized, I did not even realize this was I've got the podcast going and James has his own side thing that he's been doing for a while. And I've been telling him like for since I started, you'd be like, I really want to start a podcast too. I really want to start a podcast too. And I'd be like, well, hey, I can show you exactly what to do. And I'd get all excited because I'm like, I want you to do this too. I want this for you. And I'd be like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And all you have to do is this and this. And he'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, don't want to do it. And then eventually I was like, okay, this is annoying. Like you keep saying the same thing. Like you keep saying, I want to start a podcast. I want to do this, but you never do it. So I just stopped giving him any input still do my own podcast. And like a week ago, I heard him talking to his friend on the phone and he was like, maybe we should ask Krista how to do this. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like now you're ready. I'll help you out. Like I can, I can show you what to do. But, um, I think sometimes when we push too hard, it, it acts, we accidentally push them, you know, away. And they're like, you know, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So all of us, prefer choice. So this will work out with kids too. And I probably have a couple episodes where I talk about this on my own podcast, which if you're not familiar with the podcast is, um, I got to think, I don't know Jack about parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have so many things going on. So I, the podcast is on iTunes, Podbean, Podcast, all of them. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's there. The easiest way to access that would go to uh, anchor.fm forward slash Ryan Roy. And then there will be a link there where you can pick any of them. Um, but we all, kids especially, but adults, we're big kids. We want choice. And you and I have probably talked about this. And one of the things I always do with my kids when they're like, oh, can I have this? I never, I don't want to say I never. I, I often choose not to use the word no. I give them two options. So if my kids want to do something, let's say, for instance, I can't even think of a good example right now, but I want, you know, can I have dessert? Um, sure. You could have carrot sticks or you could have celery. And they'd be like, that's not dessert. Well, those are your choices. Which one would you like? And they may choose neither, but I gave them a choice of carrot sticks, celery, or nothing. What do right. you want? And then they make the choice and then they made it. Well, I want nothing. Okay. I guess you don't get dessert tonight. They don't even argue with you anymore. Why? Because they made a choice. Yeah, you flipped it on them and made them responsible. There you go. Personally responsible. We all want choice. So in the instance with your husband, he didn't have any choice. You were telling him everything he needed to do. Yeah. No. Now, if you said, listen, I'd love to help you. Uh, we could do it when you're ready. Or I can just make a list of stuff that you can do. 
whatever's, which one do you want? He'll say, he may say, make a list and you've done your job. Mm-hmm. Or he could say, you know what? I'm going to visit it when, when I'm really ready. I'm going to ask for your help because I learn better by somebody showing me other than reading it. And you go, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And, he, and he made a choice. Now, we don't always think of those things when we're dealing with adults. You probably do it way better with your kids. I do it way better with my kids. But I also have the advantage of I coach for a living, right? So it's kind of ingrained in me to give people choice in the coaching calls. Um, But I'll admit, in my own personal life, I falter in that area, right? I'm human too. Even though I know all the strategies, I don't implement every single one of them all the time. Yeah. Yes. So that, that, I wanted to ask you this too, because I want this to be the episode that when, you know, they're like, what about dads? I can be like, go listen to this episode and then you can go find Brian. Then you guys can have your dad club with Brian. Um, But what are some specific ways that you support your wife? (sighs) Wow. I mean, just dig into I'll I'll give an example. I'll (laughs) give an example because I don't, first of all, we're a team, right? When we got married, we became one, and I believe in teamwork. So dads that may be listening to it, you may think that you have a role and she has a role, and ultimately, they should be interchangeable. And I use the example of this, and then I'll get a a more specific example. In my book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, one of the things I say, chapter number two, is that you should be changing diapers, dads. Mm -hmm. The reason you should be changing diapers is because we should be unconditionally loving our children, right? And when you say, and I have a friend who's, I don't change diapers. That's not my job. When you say, and your child knows that, child knows for mom, I could go to certain things and I could go to certain things for dad. But wouldn't you love that your children are able to come to you for anything? Because as soon as you put a condition on a, I'm not changing poopy diapers. I was going to use a stronger word, but I don't know. (laughs) Rated G show. Um, Just put the E on the episode. (laughs) Um, as soon as you say that, your love becomes conditional, yeah. right? So we're a team. So I think all dads should be changing diapers because I believe you connect to that child. And that child is saying from a very early age, I can trust you with anything. So I think as men, our wives should be able to trust us with anything. Uh, I was talking to a PTA mom one day. And I was like, you know, this came up the other day. I was just sharing a story. I go, you know, I was folding laundry. And she goes, wait, stop. <laughs> you fold laundry? And I was like, I had this look perplexed, like, yeah, I fold laundry. I wear clothes, so I fold laundry. She was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, why is this? So I don't think these things are abnormal, but maybe to the average Joe, I don't know, folding laundry, cooking, unloading the dishwasher. I mean, I just unloaded the dishwasher before we got on because I noticed my wife didn't get to it this morning. It's one of her morning routines. Mm-hmm. she had a late night she had to get on a conference call in the middle of the night for the other side of the world for work mm-hmm. she didn't get all the sleep she wanted i looked oh she didn't do that i unloaded it do you think i thought and i guarantee you some men how come she didn't get to the, to the dishwasher some guys may be thinking that that's not my job she could mm-hmm. unload it when she gets home from work no it's a, marriage is a team sport and uh if you don't get on this team men i'm talking to the men specifically She's going to find somebody who's going to get on her team with her. And, and I hate to say it that way, but we don't have to settle for mediocrity in this life. Yeah. Uh, so, so get on board. Get, and, and those are just simple things. Oh, 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 
someone on my PTA board, once again, because I talk to these women often, she goes, Ryan, if you want to do something really nice for your wife, I wish when I was married, my husband would do this. And, and it was on a Marco Polo, right? So she's like, I'm getting gas. I hate filling my gas tank. You should occasionally fill up your gas tank for your wife. Every Thursday night, I grab my wife's car and I go fill up her gas tank. Yep. When she gets home, I'm like, let me go out. I need your keys. I know you need gas. And uh, do you need anything at the store while I'm there? Mm -hmm. That's my routine. Yeah. Like, I don't want my wife to have to stop at a gas station and stand there for five, 10 minutes pumping gas. Yeah. For lack of a better term, some unpleasant people around. You don't meet the nicest people at the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. want my wife in that position. Yeah. So I fill up her gas tank. It's yeah. simple things like that. Yeah. I just shared with a client simple things. This is my secret. This is not allowed to get out to my wife, but she's not on social media. I wow. schedule on my calendar multiple times randomly a year on that day, and, and I map it out at the beginning of the year, so there's 12 of them on there, and then there will be just the random ones I do when I buy flowers for my wife. Mm -hmm. It's on my calendar. Yeah. People go, why would I have to schedule that? Because my wife's important and I'm dumb. I'm a guy. <laughs> yeah. And I will forget in the bazillion things that I have going on in my life to somewhat romance my wife. Mm -hmm. Now, she doesn't know that. She just shows up and there's flowers on the table. She's like, yeah. oh, wow, you got me flowers. And I love this. Don't say this to your husbands, ladies. You didn't have to do that because you know we have to do that. Yeah, and you do. You do. And we do. And she says, it, you didn't have to do that. But if I don't do it, and I say to her, when I stop doing it, you need to worry. Yeah. Which means it's not going to stop because she doesn't need to worry. Yeah. But those are the little things that guys just aren't aware of. And, and this is why I work with dads. And this is why I wrote, be the dad you wish you had. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we're in a society where there's a lot of broken homes. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of men weren't taught by a really good dad, a really good role model, a really good husband on how to treat their wife. Mm -hmm. So I'm not using that as an excuse, but if we could coach them a little bit and let them know, we're not mind readers, ladies. And a lot of you ladies, and, and you know I'm right, you guys hint towards things. We're horrible at picking up hints because we're kind of direct. So if you could just tell us and help us out a little bit, um, it might go a long way. And don't ever say, why do I have to tell you these things? Because we don't know. Yeah, you're totally, it's, it's, we're very different and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but you're totally right because we do. If you, if you do it, we notice and we'll try and soften it a little bit and be like, you really didn't have to do that. But we do notice when you don't do that. And I feel like I got super lucky. Cause I got kind of a unicorn of a husband who does these things. He fills up my gas tank. He makes sure that when the kids are around, he's giving me compliments and, you know, asking me if I want some coffee or whatever, like he does little things like that. And I, I know that's not the, I know it's not the norm for everybody. Yeah. I do like when we get a chance to talk because you can tell these other people, right? Because you're doing it. It's weird for me to tell somebody, you know, to tell a husband, be like, do these things because I'm not a husband, obviously. But you can tell them that because you do it and you live it and you're, you, you're, yeah, it's just good. You're basically being the dad to all these other guys. 
I, I'm just trying to do the best within my household. And if it's working, that's why I choose to do the podcast because if it's working and it's working for me, it'll probably work for some other people. And, you know, I always, I don't know Jack about parenting. I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm consciously doing the best I can while trying <clears throat> to, excuse me, to learn new strategies to get better in listening to other people, people like yourself, people like other parenting podcasts, other parenting books, you know, what are people doing? And if I could take one little nugget and apply it, not just take the nugget, right? We need to apply the nuggets. Um, over time, I, I, I will be a better version of myself, which will be better for my entire family. And I think that's kind of a mindset of growth um, that I wish everybody had, but I think people need to have enough pain or enough pleasure in order to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right too, because um, they laugh. They, <laughs> when you said your podcast name the first time, they were laughing at it, but it is. It's called I Don't Know Jack About Parenting. And I think the reason that I always like talking to you is because you, you give us a, a way to improve our parenting and to improve our relationships, not by being like, how do I get my kids to do this? How do I get my husband to do this? It's like, how do I change myself so that the people around me are matching that? Yeah, because we can't control outside forces. Right. Uh, I just had that on a coaching call this morning. Uh, not in parenting or anything in her career. There's a scenario going on. It's, it's been coming up and coming up. I said, have you done everything you can possibly do? Yes. Uh, are you in high integrity to yourself? Yes. You know what? Drop it. Stop responding to emails. Stop doing this stuff. If anything else comes of it, you'll deal with it then. But at this point, you've done everything in your power to make sure that this has been resolved. The people on the other end aren't happy. No matter how many times you tell these people until they get the answer they want, they could ask 50 different ways. The answer is still the same. They just don't like it, right? You can't control how they're responding to it. All you can do is control yourself. So what I would say to that is like, just be in high integrity to yourself always. Do the best you can do for yourself always. And then you don't have to deal with the outside forces. And that energy will attract like energy and more yes. people like yourself. That's why I think you and I ended up connecting at some level. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, this guy's talking about 12 weeks. I know him. <laughs> but it was way more than that. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to go back on something that you touched on a little bit more about like the PTA, I want to talk about the PTA moms that you work with and the FBI thing that you do. But first, because everyone is so shocked that you do laundry, which I think is telling, right? It's pretty telling about our expectations as a whole, which is very low, right? We can raise those expectations. But when you think about, like, when I think about my son, I wouldn't be like, only my daughters have to wash their own laundry. I'll do my son's laundry, right? Like that would never happen. <laughs> oh, I hope that would never happen. Or I hope that, you know, when you're like doing your household chores and trying to get kids on board, you would be like, every kid in this house is doing the chores, not the daughters are doing the chores and the daughters are making dinner and doing the dishes and the sons are like doing whatever they want. Sitting on the couch watching television is with dad, right? Because that's what dad's doing. Right. And I hope, <laughs> I, th I just thought it was funny when you said that, like people are so shocked that husbands or dads do laundry but if we were doing it with our kids it wouldn't you know we would be like what like you don't you make your daughters do your laundry but you don't make your sons you do your son's laundry for him like that's weird 
Well, so there's different cultures, right? And, and it all depends yeah. on how you're brought up. So in, in my wife is, is Puerto Rican, so of Spanish descent. And you know what? Grandma was involved and mom was involved. And these are their little prince princes, right? And the princesses had to do laundry. And God forbid my mother-in-law knew that my son folds his own clothes. Oh. Why do you make him do that? <laughs> right? Okay, so there are a time and place where this happens. To me, it's so like... Like, yeah, no, no it, in my world, like <laughs> he's doing it. I don't tell her because I don't want to hear the feedback, right? right? That's she fair. In another state. Yeah. I'm going to raise my kids the way I raise my kids. You raise your daughter. Thank you for doing a good job, right? Yeah. There's certain things I believe in. So for me, and I think it's all the way we're raised, there's a lot of men who are raised that mom did their laundry. Mom folded their laundry. Mom put their laundry away. And that cycle repeated until they went off to college. Yeah. Then they probably found some girl who would do it. Like, I'm just being real, right? Or they found a wife who would do it. Yeah. For me, I grew up with a single mom, right? Uh, And my mom at a very young age, I think I was like seven or eight, She's like, okay, you could see into the washing machine without getting on a step stool. So here's how you put the stuff in. <laughs> Separate the colors and the whites. But she also raised me to just be very independent. Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of young men, listen to this, a lot of, and again, broken society, broken marriages, and probably some people could look themselves in the mirror who are listening to this and saying, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Moms, uh, Felt like they needed to make up in a lot of ways, that mom guilt. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? His dad's not in his life for X, Y, Z reason. It could be his fault, both of their fault, whatever the reason. The least I could do is his laundry. And then they helicopter and bubble wrap, and they don't allow these kids to grow up and be independent. My mom was like, no. I remember at four, I learned how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know how to make your lunch? You can make your lunch from now on. You know how to do your laundry, you could do your laundry from now on. So literally, and I'm not joking, I don't think anybody outside of my wife, right, at this point, uh, but we do each other's laundry. I literally have laundry in the washer right now that needs to go in the dryer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, besides her, I think I've done all of my own laundry since I was 10 years old. Yeah. That makes me better because sometimes, like, because I – I probably am a lot like your mom and I'm like, you guys can see enough in there. You have to get a little creative and maybe hop up and grab your clothes out and put them in the dryer. And sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm giving them too much to do, but. But it's going to serve them later. See, I believe as parents it is our job to empower them to be independent in the world when they get there. And at 18 is not the time to start teaching them how to be adults. Right our time to start teaching them to be adults is when they're out of the womb. Mm -hmm. Like I remember day eight, I putting my son, my first son on his tummy. I have video of it. And I say to him, come on, buddy, lift that head. Do it. He's struggling. He's, you know, (laughs) head shaking. And in the video, I say, the sooner you could do this, the sooner you could get off and go to college and be independent. (laughs) And my wife in the background, why would you say that? He's eight days old. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's because like, I'm a dad and I'm building a man. Yeah, but I didn't start building a man at eight or ten or fifteen. I started building a man as soon as he came out of the womb. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about this before too. You probably talk about it. I think it's like your first 
episode or one of your first episodes because I remember it, but he talks to his kids like they can understand him, which yeah. some people is like a, a no baby talk. Like, yeah, like another alien concept of like kids can't understand me, like, but they can, they can. And if they don't understand, listen, how they'll understand when they're ready to understand. Things will click. So even when I coach, I'll drop a lot of knowledge on somebody. Right now, you guys are getting a lot of information. Maybe some of you are taking notes. Some of you are like, I'm not, I don't know if that's going to work until you implement it. And you're going to go, ooh, he said that was going to work. That just worked. Right? Giving choice. You could, you could do that on your kids right now because probably most of you have two and a half, three-year-olds because that's when you met Krista, right? I imagine because that's when you yep. did it. Uh, you could give your children at this age choice right now and you're going to watch it work like wonders. I'm like, ah, I want a cookie. And you're like, you could have an apple or some cantaloupe. Ah, cookie. And then you're going to put the apple and the cantaloupe in front of them. And you're going to say, which one would you like? And you're I want a cookie. And you're going to pull both of them away and you're going to pick them both up. And you're going to say, you could have an apple or the cantaloupe, or you can have nothing. You right. Yeah, you are. You are. And I think when it comes to those things, though, you just have to stay un unfazed. Don't give in. Don't give in to the energy that they're bringing. <laughs> but you're not giving. Yeah, they're your right, so we're bringing it all full circle. And, yeah. and you can't change the options. Too many moms are like, oh, he deserves the cookie. He's too cute. Look at the little crocodile tear. And next thing you know, they've, been, they've trained you. Yeah. See, in one of the books that I love, I think every parent should do it. If your, your children have challenges sleeping overnight, it's uh, called uh, 12 Hours and 12 Weeks. And it's, it's a, a sleep training book. And the, like in the first few pages, she says, here's the deal. They're little people. Um, and they're either going to train you or you're going to train them. Yeah. So here's how you could train them to sleep. But it also talks very much about routines and scheduling and getting them to have a great deal of comfort in what their scheduling training is. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? They just start following a schedule, but it's not easy at the beginning. Uh, so when your child says, I want a cookie and they cry and they cry and they cry. And I watch my wife do this. It cracks me up because I write books on this stuff and I talk about <laughs> them podcasts and she goes, you can't have a cookie. And then she opens the pantry. Which and then we give them a cookie. cookie. <laughs> you can't have a cookie. Here you go. He's like, look, if I cry in, in his little mind, in his little body, he knows if he goes at it long enough, he's going to get a cookie. And yeah. he's now trained you that if he cries long enough, he's going to get a cookie. Yeah. Because the words that come out of your mouth versus your actions are two totally different things. And all he cares about is the result yeah. or she. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do this with Kaylee and I admit sometimes I'm weak when she's like, I want a fruit snack. And I'm like, well, you can have the apple, right? And she's doing what you do. And you guys are like, I, I just admit sometimes, sometimes I'm weak. All week. I'm like, I know I'm doing this. I shouldn't do this. This is going to backfire. Then I do but, it. <laughs> but I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. The thing in this house is little bites, right? The Edamons, little muffins. Yeah. Little oh, bites yeah. are like gold in yeah. this place. And yeah. I can have little bites. Didn't you just have little bites before <laughs> dinner? And now it's after dinner. And now that's what you want for dinner. <laughs> like, you know what? Go for it. 
It happens sometimes. Yeah. But but more times than not, and they're always going to ask. Yes. More times always, than not. More times than not, we got to be consistent the other way. And then you got to remind them, didn't I give you two little bites yesterday? Are we asking again? Yeah. And then, then I give them a choice. Do you want no little bites today or no little bites for the rest of the week? Because we can create that for you. Yeah. Oh, I'm good with no little bites today. Oh, good choice. Yeah. Right? We gave choice once again. Yeah. James always tells me. He does it too, though. But of course he does. He's me doing it. He's like, remember, we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> and I'm like, come, like, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get some peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So for everybody listening, he has the podcast. I don't know Jack about parenting. It's really good, especially if you are wanting a podcast to send your spouses to and the dads in your life to. He has the book, um, be the dad you wish you had.com or, or yes. you can get it at be the dad you wish you had.com. Yeah. Be the dad you wish you had. He sent me a copy for me to have that I gave to James. And then I actually got my dad one for father's day. And it was kind of funny because my dad is older now and he's like, I can apply this to my grandkids, you know, like be the grandpa who changes diapers. Um, well, I need him to write a review for me on, on Amazon then. I will tell him he is very not tech savvy. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have him text me a review and I'll post it as him. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, yeah. There's thing we say that at our house too. We don't negotiate with terrorists when they're screaming for the fruit snacks or in your house. Those little muffins, which uh, I actually stopped buying. I told them I can't find them anymore. It's not in the house. <laughs> I don't know where they are. You can't give it to them, right? Yeah. That actually happened with something with us that he loved. And they, I think, got discontinued. Yeah. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I forget yeah. what it was. but And Pop-Tarts. I used to buy Pop-Tarts, and now I don't. I will not buy. I won't buy them anymore. It's not worth it. Um, We've never had those here, but he had them in school. Yeah. How come we don't have pop tarts? I was like, "Where'd you have a pop tart?" Yeah. Cool. I was yep. like, "What?" Yep, they're they're ruining our systems. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you have that you have that book, but um, I just want to hear more about the FBI. If you guys didn't hear at the beginning, it's fathers being involved, um, a program that he started at his kid's school, where it's you said once a month. Here you tell him. So once a month. Uh, fathers being involved when I got to the school. So I didn't fully create it. I've just made a good idea. Fantastic. That's the way I like to put it. <laughs> there was a program called FBI Dads at the school. Uh, and it's been around for like 15 years. I found out last year that one of my neighbors is actually the guy who created it 15 years ago. And it's, it was on its last leg, if you would. So what the dads did is they would come into the class to the school four times a year and all the, all the dads would disperse to the classrooms in the morning and read to all the classrooms. And that's what the FBI dads kind of did. And then I got there, and by the end of the year, there'd be like four or five dads for 60 classrooms. So there just wasn't a lot of energy around it. And I thought to myself, why not have the dads come in and have breakfast with their kids? Instead of waiting in the lobby to go to the classroom, let's come in and do an interactive program. So I will do a 20 minute program around something like sportsmanship or integrity or, you know, we'll have a word that we'll be doing a lesson around. The one thing I love about this program and this is how I started. I asked the dads to first, I introduce, I introduce the topic and I say, before we get started, the one thing I want you guys to do 
is I want you to finish this sentence. Look into your kid's eyes and finish this sentence. And I put it up on the screen and I say, I am proud of you because, right? So then they go in and they start talking to their kids and telling them something they're proud of them for. I get to watch from stage 150 dads tell their kids something they're proud of them for. I think there are three things that every parent, but especially dads, should be saying to their kids every, every day. I'm proud of you because whatever they're proud of them for. I believe in you and I love you. If every dad were to say that every single day, I think the world would be a better place. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's that simple. So we start off with that. I get into the program. I have them take selfies. Um, I have them email the pictures to me. I have a bulletin board in the school that has about 350 pictures of dads with their kids right now. Um, and we do that every single month. Not every single month. We do it six times a year. Uh, so we did August, September, October. I think it was September, October, November, December. We skipped January and then the end of the school year is crazy. So we just do February and March and then testing and, you know, getting out of the school is, is a little difficult and get the dads involved, but it grew from six dads to 150 dads per breakfast. Uh, I had Krispy Kreme. I'll give them a shout out. They sponsored it. They told me they could do up to 15 dozen donuts, uh, every breakfast and they give them to us. Uh, it's grown so much. They now give me 25 dozen donuts. Um, and then I'm looking to get it into other schools in the county, and I have a meeting with the county next month. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of years, it'll be something you'll be hearing, but you heard it here first. Yeah, this That's, that was my question was, are you going to try and do this in other places? Because I think, so uh, every now and then, that's why we decided to do this podcast episode. Every now and then there is like a big rush of dads wanting to get into the group. And I tell them, like we keep it females only, but we have the podcast you can listen to, or we have, you know, like like page. Um, and their answer is like, thanks, but you know, I want a place where I can talk with, <laughs> I want to talk to people about this. And I think you can tell me if it's um, right or wrong, but I think dads lack community like moms have. You agree? Well- yeah, we're, yeah, definitely. We lack community and partially it's because a lot of men aren't capable of becoming vulnerable. So even I have a dad's group that has, you know, 4,000 dads and you'll see uh, a lot of, <laughs> we've talked about this offline, but, you know, they'll talk about things that they think will connect each other. And that ends up being dumb things, in my opinion, like, uh, you know, video games, video games, <laughs> sports or, you know, and I'm like, guys, this is a dad's group. If this isn't helping you be a better dad, like let's, let's have real conversations. Cause I know you guys have real questions and want real answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it could be a challenge because, you know, and, and then the answer is in the dad's group, you know, everyone has their own thing, but Hey, how do I cope with my wife being all kind of crazy? And you know, guys will say things like, Oh, I, I just go smoke a joint. And I'm like, well, we're not going to be talking about drugs in the dad's group because I don't, I don't, you know, if that's what you do, it's just not the conversation we're going to have here. Right. Um, so they think that's relatable. They think that's okay. And they really lack the communication skills, as I'm sure a lot of your moms uh, will attest to. Right. Um, because when they do become vulnerable, and I'll, I'll say this, moms. Uh, we have fragile ego egos. We're men. Mm-hmm. It's most fragile with our spouse or partner. 
Like we trust you with everything. So don't use it as a weapon when we become vulnerable because you're going to damage him for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out with you for any woman moving forward. So protect his ego. It's part of your job to mm-hmm. empower your man, not beat him up. Yeah. Um, yep. I think, yeah, I think you're right too. Um, I think one of the things that makes our group a little bit different, and I think it's because I've worked really hard to make sure that it goes the direction that I think is better. You want it to go. Yeah. 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 The direction that I want it to go is to like not be a place where we use it as a, you know, a a place to like air all of our dirty laundry and all of his faults, which is why I'm always like, don't worry about him. Like, don't worry about what he's doing about yourself. (laughs) Get your own stuff square. Because I think a lot of times where, you know, like he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and he doesn't do this. Meanwhile, you know, you've got, and I'm just, I don't be personally offended, but this is me. Meanwhile, my minivan had jello jigglers frozen to the door. So it's not like I was a saint either, right? Like that was, I tell them that story all the time of like, like I, he annoyed the crap out of me. I was like, you don't ever help me. Like you leave your clothes like one foot away from the, the laundry basket. Like, yeah. We talked about that one. That's me too. Yeah. Like, why do you do that? But then at the same time, like here I am over here, you know, leaving my dishes, my half filled coffee cup on the TV stand or in the shower or, you know, in my car, the jello jigglers was a real low point. Okay. That was like a, that was a low point for me. And someone's like, that's your low point. That's my every day. So <laughs> it used to be my every day. <laughs> it was there for a few months. Cause we were in Alaska. It literally froze. <laughs> To the inside of my blame it on Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> horrible. So I, I'll say this: I coached somebody on this just this morning. Okay, so what I'm hearing is when when I hear you make those statements as women, right? I hear frustration. Would would that be a fair assessment? Yes. Yeah, it is. So frustrating. so frustration is a another way to say anger. It's just a nicer way to say anger, right? Mm-hmm. Frustration is a form of being angry or being mad. So this is, if, if we could get our mindset wrapped around this. If we're in a place of gratitude, it's impossible, physically impossible, emotionally impossible to be angry and in gratitude at the same time. Yeah. So if we could think about all the things that our husbands do for us, and in my case, all the things that my wife does for me, mm-hmm. right? How can I really be angry at her? But we tend to focus on that one bad thing that, you know, those jello jigglers, like, how can I, like, you focus on that, that could become huge, right? But if we focus on, wow, he provides for the family, I'm just going to throw some random things out here. He goes to work hard every single day. He works 10 hour days, four days a week. And on those three days, he spends two days helping me build things because I know a lot of you women and I'm just not being there's not being sexist or anything but I get all the furniture being built I just built a treadmill yeah. right I, I built a desk and it literally broke it yep and and you know if you would have given it to your husband <laughs> it would have got done a month later but it would have got done and it wouldn't have broke yeah it's still right? the drawer still falls out and my daughter tells me every day so people will focus on well he didn't do it for a month when we should be focused on, man, I'm glad I have someone around who actually builds that stuff for me. Yeah. 
Like as you're, you mentioned these Jello Jigglers stuck. My wife has asked me for, I swear it's two or three months now. She's only asked me two or three times, but every time I get in her car to fill up the gas, uh, the garage is on the, like the ground level and the alcohol, not drinking alcohol, but like rubbing alcohol is on the third level of the house. But every time I get in the car, she took a sticker off that has the, you know, it still has sticky on her windshield. Can you get that off? Can you get that off? She's as capable as I am, but I'm her husband and I usually do it. As you're saying this, there's still yeah. that sticky stuff on my wife's windshield. Yeah. Now she can complain that I didn't do that, but like I've done a lot of stuff in between. Right. You know? Yes. But if she wanted to harp on that, she could. And I'm sure somewhere she's still doing it. But I'm going to do it today because of this podcast. Because of this. Get the rubbing out I'm going to – and – and she will never listen to this because you got to know your spouse's love language. Yeah. Mine are words of affirmation. All I would want is a thank you. Hey, you finally got that done. She could even say it that way. Thank you. Yeah. And I would be like, oh, you're welcome. I'm sorry it took so long. But know your husband's love language and try to cater to it. If you don't know what that is, you can Google five love languages and encourage him to learn yours. Yep. And be mindful too of whatever it is that if you do the opposite, because James is his words too. If I have harsh words, it's like that far, you know, that much further on the opposite and it's that much more mm -hmm. difficult to get back in good graces. Yeah. Cause we have egos and yep. your opinion of him is greater than anybody else's on this world right now. Yeah. So when you give him harsh words, it stings to the core because yeah. he's trying to please you and do a lot of this stuff for you. Yeah. Uh, so when you're like, oh, you did the dishes, but you didn't do them all. Like I left one spoon. I had a scoop of ice cream. Like, man, Stop I, yelling at me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it, it makes men not want to do any of it when we're being criticized for the little things that, yeah. you know. And I think something too that helps us, we're finally to this point, obviously we weren't forever, but we laugh about that stuff now. Like I can, we can have playful banter about it of like, stop watching me load the dishwasher, just walk away. Like, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything, just walk away. And we joke about it now and it's all in, like, it's actually okay for us now because yeah. I mean, we're not going to like, rag on each other and hurt each other's feelings because you've probably had enough dialogue to realize that there's no maliciousness behind it. Like you're not, you know, he's not watching you do it or you're not watching him do it. My wife and I in the kitchen, I love to cook. So she's actually uncomfortable because I'm like, Hey, do you want me to do that? And I'm just trying to be helpful. Right. I see her yeah. struggling and she'll be like, no, I know how to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll walk away. You always trying to take over in the kitchen. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not trying to take over. I'm just trying to help out because I know it's not something you enjoy doing. I actually enjoy doing it. So yeah. if I see you struggling as a man, we want to help yeah. the person. And, yeah. and so I've learned to be like, hey, you're cooking dinner tonight? Fantastic. I have kids. We're going outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So I, final question and then we'll hang up because I got to yep. get on to another one. You have kids or something? I have, I have kids too, and I was actually supposed to be live in another group, but since they're in this group, they can obviously work, see where I'm at. So gotcha. <laughs> um, I'm not in trouble. Last question. I don't know if you can answer this. 
um, or if you want to answer it, I might have an idea of what you will say, but how do, how do these moms who have these conversations of like, you know, they're very fed up, they're very frustrated, where do they draw the line between like, okay, this is normal stuff that I can kind of push aside and focus on myself. And when is it actually a problem that they need to address in a bigger way? Can you give me an example? I have a, a one line kind of thought, but I don't know if I'd yeah. So just one thing that comes up a lot is like mom's frustrated, you know, to like the point of tears, the point of tears to the point of like not wanting to have any kind, anything to do with their husband at all anymore because they've asked for help. They've asked for changes to be made and they don't get made. Um, where would you draw the line between like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm asking. So, so I think, so I think it all comes down to communication. I think we could get anybody to do anything we want them to do. And some people would call it persuasion. Some people would call it manipulation. But at the end of the day, if we're trying to grow our marriage or our relationships closer, it doesn't matter what we call it, as long as there's good intentions behind it. Right. Yeah. So I think there is a lack of good communication skills, uh, by the husbands and even by the wives. Uh, so, one of the things I tell all of my clients is the quality of your life is dependent upon the number of difficult conversations you're willing to have, right? So many yeah. people suppress their feelings and like, oh, it's going to go away. It's going to do this. And then it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then you become this volcano and then we erupt and we don't communicate well because when, when emotions are high, intelligence is low, okay? So I have a, a very simple three-step system. Y'all want to take notes on this. Y'all get. I just notes. did. <laughs> you heard my pen click. So the first part is acknowledge, acknowledge, acknowledge. Okay. So you want to acknowledge the person that you're about to have a conversation with in a positive way. So give me a scenario where the, the husband's leaving his laundry on the floor all the time, driving you crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. We all want to be felt and heard and acknowledged. And whenever we do, it makes us feel good about ourselves. And if you're making me feel good, I like you in that moment. So, honey, I love that you work so hard on that. I love that you provide for our family. And I love that you come and play with the kids, right? I'm just envisioning your household. Now, the second part, you just acknowledge him three times. He's feeling like the man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <Knowledge>. <laughs> right? I'm like, hey, man, I am the best husband in the world. <laughs> so number two, tell your truth with compassion, right? You just acknowledge them three times. Now you're telling your truth with compassion. But can I share something with you? You do all of that amazing stuff. And I take time to make the house as clean as possible. And you come in and there seems to be this empty space right next to the laundry basket. And you choose to put your socks and your clothes there. So you just told your truth with compassion, right? That's the truth. And you didn't yell at him. You didn't scream at him. You just stated some facts. Right. The last part is your ask. Okay. So acknowledge, 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 tell your truth with compassion, and then do your ask. What I'm asking, you do all these other things so amazingly. If you could just take that little pile and try to be conscious. I know you're not doing this on purpose and put it in the basket, that would make me love you that much more. Yeah. That takes a lot of energy. But because you acknowledge him for all the stuff he did well, and you didn't yell and scream, and you were very simple and logical, and you, it was a simple ask, it may hold up for three weeks, a month, right? It's not yeah. going to last forever. 
but he's going to want to please you because all those other things pleased you. Like, like, man, I do all this other stuff. Well, she acknowledges all that. And, And why am I not doing this? Let me be more conscious of it. And that's just communicating openly. You could do this for anything you want to raise at work. You could go to the boss and be like, I love this place of work. I've been here six years. You know what? I get along with everybody in the department. The truth of the matter is I've been working here six years and I've only got 3% raise and everything's going up in inflation at 4% and I can't keep up with my bills. So what I'm asking for is a raise so that I can stay here, be you know, a productive memory member of this community at this office. And, you know, if not, I may have to make some other choices. The boss would be like, man, this is someone who appreciates everything we do. And if they can within their power, if you're a good employee, they're going to try to appease that. But if you come in like, you know, I've been here six years and I don't get anything out of this place. You know, I deserve more money. They're going to be like, you don't appreciate what you have. So get out of here. Again, it's about being in gratitude and that acknowledge part. It's about being in gratitude. Yeah. And I can tell you guys that what he just said works because hmm. James does it to me. <laughs> he does it to me. He's been it well looks like this. I love that you take care of our kids all day long and you're such a great mom. But the truth is you leave your coffee packet on the counter every day and it's trash and you literally leave it right above the trash can. It would be so awesome if you just threw it away. Literally. It happens like yep. once. <laughs> not because I don't care. It's because I, those things that he said, I'm actually really busy with a toddler and a baby all day long. So I rip open the coffee and I drink it and I throw it on the, to the side. Yeah. I put it in the trash. I don't know why I don't. It's really not to spite him. So he reminds me in that way. And he reminds you in a nice way. It doesn't make you feel <laughs> bad about it. It doesn't make you feel, you know, you're like, oh yeah, he just enlightened me to one of my habits that I'd probably like to improve. I would like to improve it. I hate that I do it. I don't know why I do it. I leave my kitchen cabinets open all the time. It drives myself crazy. I'll open them all, (laughs) get everything I need. I'll go in the other room. I'll eat. I'll come back and I'll look and I'll be like, why are, you know, four out of 12 cabinets open? Yeah. And and I go and I close them. (laughs) Tall enough now too. Now I'm like, did I leave that open or did they? Yeah. You know who left it open. It was me. It was was always me. (laughs) Getting into spices, I hope. <laughs> well, this was really good. There's lots of good comments on um, Facebook group. They, they always like hearing from you. So, oh, I appreciate being here. It was good hearing from you. And we will see you on your podcast. I don't know, Jack, about parenting. Go subscribe. Oh. Now. Yes, go subscribe right now. Last shameless ask because my friend Janelle is on here. She's an amazing single mom. And I told her that if you had any hot leads on any single dads, you would let me know and I would let her know. And we make that happen. <laughs> I, 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 so Janelle. Let me know. Although I appreciate you valuing my opinion. <laughs> I, I will stay in my lane at things I'm good at. And people often will say things like, wow, you're really good at a lot of stuff. I only talk about things that I believe I'm good at. I stay in my lane. And trust me, there's millions of things I am horrible at. And matchmaking, I believe, would be one of them because I've never done it. Because somebody tried okay. to do it once. And I'm actually really good at it. So, oh. so very good there you go. It. So, oh. I'll find somebody for Janelle. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> now I know who to look for. I actually am very good at it. Uh, 
This is a totally different episode. I'll just stop talking because it doesn't matter. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. (laughs) Do you want to be the dad you wish you had? If so, go get my free book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had at BeTheDadYouWishYouHad.com. Inside, you'll find my most effective 40 tips to quickly and easily transform yourself into the ideal dad. Go to BeTheDadYouWishYouHad.com now and get it while it's free.